Well, good morning and welcome to 40 Days of Prayer, week number six. We have been learning and practicing prayer in many different ways these past few weeks, uh, learning all kinds of things about prayer, things like where prayer begins, and that is in the goodness of God. We pray because God is good. We've, we've learned about how uh, we should look in certain directions where we look when we pray, such as looking upward to the Father looking backward to the cross, how our prayers are rooted in Jesus' sacrifice for us. We've learned things like uh, how God always answers every prayer, but he does it in different ways, how he answers prayer with yes, with no, sometimes with not yet, and every once in a while, God answers with, are you kidding me? Remember we talked about that? And then last week, we, we talked about how to pray throughout your day. So we've been learning a whole lot of things, but we're going to move today a little farther and a little deeper. It's going to challenge some of us because we're going to talk today about how we can pray not just for ourselves, but for other people. Praying for other people is what is called intercession, intercession. And when we intercede for someone, we are coming before God on their behalf. We are asking God to intervene in their life. And many of you know this, God can do some amazing things when we intercede. Isn't that right? I don't know if you've noticed this, but kids especially can pray with just this unfiltered kind of faith. They, they just say whatever's on their mind, and they just trust their Heavenly Father when they pray. I, I heard this week about a four-year-old boy who was praying for his Aunt Melissa And she was moving overseas to become a missionary. And at this time, she was traveling through the nation of Indonesia. And the family was praying for Melissa every night. And most of the nights, uh, the boy would just pray something like, Lord, please protect Aunt Melissa. Please protect her. Hope she brings me home something cool. Amen. One night, they were praying for her. And this four-year-old boy prayed, God, protect her from the wasp. And his parents were like, what? But he just kept praying. He said, God, I pray she wouldn't be afraid of the wasp. And he actually started shaking, and it concerned the parents. So they were telling him it's okay, but he just kept praying. He said, God, you tell that wasp, no, no wasp, no wasp. You turn around, wasp, and you go. No, wasp. And God, I pray she brings me some Legos. (laughs) Amen. Well, the parents left doing what you just did, laughing about the prayer, just kind of confused. But a couple days later, mom is talking to her sister, Melissa, in Indonesia on the phone, and Melissa gets real quiet. And she says, wait, was that Sunday night? And the answer was yes. And Melissa said, well, that was Monday morning for us. And we were coming out of this village, uh, someone's home where we had just been praying for them. We left the village. We're going down this jungle path. And all of a sudden, this enormous wasp drops down right in front of us and hovers, stops right there in the path. And she said it was kind of weird because I actually wasn't that scared at the time. I just had this peace, but that wasp was huge. And she said, she said, all the locals ran. <laughs> but I waited, and she said, a couple minutes later, the wasp just flew away. 
Well, Dad heard this, and he did what we do today. Got on Google and was looking up wasps in Indonesia, trying to figure out what was going on. And he discovered that actually just a few years ago, a UC Davis scientist discovered a brand new species of wasp in Indonesia that they now call the king wasp because it's like two and a half inches large. It actually has these jaws that are longer than the the wasp legs. And no one actually knows what happens if it bites you because they don't really have a record of that because the only ones they've found have been dead. They're just really, really rare. But the person who told this story said, all of a sudden, two things happened in our house. First, we started writing down everything our kids prayed. (laughs) Second, our son's faith in God grew, and so did ours. So did ours. I want to tell you something. Nothing proves the existence of God in our world like answers to specific prayer. And we, as God's people, get this incredible opportunity to pray and to bring the kingdom of heaven down here into the reality of this broken, fallen world if we will pray for other people. Now, I know the thought of this is scary for some of you. If I were to ask you right now to pray for somebody sitting next to you, some of you would probably feel what I have felt at times. You would think things and feel things like, well, I don't know what to pray, and um, I'm afraid that I would sound kind of stupid. This makes me nervous. They might think that I'm weird. But I want to remind you of something. I want to actually ask you to reconsider and reframe prayer in a way that may change how you think about it. And I want to tell you that what I'm talking about here is something that all of us do all of the time. Because basically, prayer uh, for someone, praying for someone is just offering to help. In reality, prayer is calling for help from another world. That's what makes prayer awesome. But, but prayer in itself, praying for someone is just offering to help. And the truth is, you offer to help other people all the time. You offer advice to other people all the time, even when they don't want it, right? Right? See, some of you, you kind of offer to help in some, let's call them interesting ways. Some of you, you are free with giving out the most unconventional, weird, like home remedy kind of advice, all natural, organic kinds of advice. You have no problem with that, right? Don't we all have friends like this? You know, friends who say, oh, man, I have this herbal tea. It is so good. It'll help you find a husband. (laughs) And some of you, some of you, you're just like, well, you've got to see my doctor, my doctor's so good. I mean, he's not like a doctor, doctor, but and his license says Kinko's on it, but he's awesome. I mean, he's real natural. You know, you want to tell people about that. And how about some of you, you know who you are, my essential oils people. I love my essential oils people. You're always like, where's my peppermint, you know, and... Uh, you know, anybody got any friends like that? Can I get a witness right here, right now? Don't, you know, some of you don't want to raise your hand because you're sitting next to that person. And, you know, and some of you have friends that are always like, oh, man, I got this eucalyptus lavender and oregano oil. It is so awesome. It'll cure Ebola. It'll clear your skin. And it'll help you find wisdom. You know, if some of us were as brave about prayer as we are about essential oils and other things we're interested in, we probably wouldn't need any missionaries, right? 
See, the, the point is we know how to do this. The point is don't worry about people thinking you're weird because you're weird already. <laughs> the point is you're braver than you think you are, and if you can offer to help, you can offer to pray. All of us can offer to help. If you can recommend a doctor, you can pray. If you can recommend a diet, and you do, you can pray. Guys, if you can recommend that somebody uses 5W50 synthetic oil, it's the best kind, this is the best brand, you can pray. If you know how to give directions to Stone Ridge Mall, you can pray. And nobody wants to know how to get to the Tracy Mall, so it'll only be the... <laughs> but it's easy. You just see, you get on the 205, and you meet the 580. You go over the hill, you know, and you go through Livermore. And if the traffic's bad, you get up on Santa Rita. You go left there and turn right on Las Positas, turn right on Stone Ridge, you're golden. You know how to do that. Everybody knows how to give advice, so therefore you can pray for someone else. You're actually braver than you think we are. you are. And today we're actually looking at a passage of Scripture in the book of Acts, and it's really about praying for other people. It's Acts chapter 3. And what we're going to see here, and this is important to think about, is we're going to see a guy named Peter praying, not Jesus. Because there's lots of stories in the Bible about Jesus praying, and we read those, and there's an amazing, but we often find ourselves thinking, well, that's Jesus. And our real question is, do normal people like us have the ear of God? Does God listen to the prayers of someone like me? See, intercessory prayer is basically getting to be the advocate between man's need and God's power. And that's really what's happening in this story. It begins in verse 1, and Luke writes, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now I want to point something out that's important, but you might miss it. Notice they are going up to the temple. That means they are outside the temple. And this is very important because if you remember in the Old Testament to speak to God, you had to be really like inside the temple and not just inside the temple. You had to be a priest inside the temple and not just any priest. You really had to be the high priest and you had to go through all kinds of special cleansing and things like that. And you only as the high priest, you only got to go one time a year into the center of the temple, into what was called the Holy of Holies. And you had to go behind this very thick curtain. It was called the veil. And there were stories. This is such a serious thing. There were stories that said the other priests would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle because what if, what if he got in there and he hadn't prayed enough, he hadn't confessed his sins enough, he had done something wrong, what if God just struck him dead? I'm not going in there to get him. And so they, the stories where they had to drag, they would have to drag him out with this rope by his ankle because they couldn't go behind the veil. And if you read the New Testament, maybe you'll remember this story about the veil. Matthew records it for us in his gospel when he's telling us about the crucifixion. You'll remember that when Jesus dies on the cross, Matthew says at the very hour that he gave up his life, and it's like we get this split-screen moment and we see what's going on at Calvary, and then we get a picture of what's going on at the temple 
split-screen moment. Jesus dies, and at the very hour that he dies, that thick curtain called the veil splits from top to bottom. And that's telling us that God did it. Jesus' death on the cross, we are being shown, gives us direct access to God himself. God listens, the Bible says, to the prayers of people who have trusted Jesus. See, we we see this here in Peter's story. He's outside the temple. God listens to our prayers directly. That means we don't need a temple. That means we don't need a priest. We can come directly to the Father. And so they pray. Look at verses 6 through 10. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, one of the things that I've noticed as a pastor for over 30 years is that when you ask people if you could pray for them, almost everyone says, yes. Have you noticed that? Even people who don't know God say yes. Even people who don't want you to pray for them oftentimes say yes. And so I found myself in situations like where we ask a waitress if we could pray for her, and it's amazing how total strangers will open up and tell you about their lives, sometimes even to the point where they start crying. I've asked people in my neighborhood if I could pray for them. I've asked people on airplanes, and they say yes. And let me tell you something about people. Everybody on the planet, we all have problems, we all have pain, and everybody here says what? Amen. Things we worry about things that we are struggling with, things that you brought in here with you this morning, that thing that popped right into your mind just a moment ago. This is where we all are. And so this means when people share with you what they are going through, it is always an invitation to pray. Do you think about it like that? You might write this down. Shared problems are calls for prayer. See, when people begin to share their problems with us, it's an invitation. It is a cry for prayer. By sharing the problem, they are saying, I have hit a wall I can't get over. So it is an invitation. It is a cry and a call for help. And we get to call on another world for help on their behalf. Go ahead and write this one down, too. When we pray for someone, we get to be advocates between man's pain and God's power. That's an amazing privilege that we have. I know that many of you can tell a story of a friend or a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody who, who did not want anything to do with God. They're in your life, and they know you're a Christian, but when you bring Jesus up, they, they're not interested. They might have been dismissive. Some of them might have been even a little hostile to you, and this may have gone on for years. But have you noticed, have you seen, like one day, something happens It's a cancer diagnosis. It's a sudden, 
unexpected death in the family. It's a, a devastating job loss. And they all of a sudden find themselves coming to you and asking you to, you can talk to God for them, asking you to pray. You see, many people who don't seek God will eventually seek out the people who do seek God because one day they're going to hit a wall. One day life is going to T-bone them with something too big for them to handle. And they're going to need help and hope from another world. And in those moments, they're going to look around and they're going to remember someone that they know who does talk to God. See, in years and years of asking people, can I pray for you? I've never myself had one person really get offended. I've had a few people say no. I've had some people kind of smirk and say no thanks. But almost everyone is open to being prayed for, even the people who just say to themselves, well, I guess it can't hurt. You get to pray for them. And so when Peter's coming into the temple, he encounters this man, and God's calling him to intercede and do something for this guy that's really special. It's a special moment, and Peter says, look at us. And the lame man, the crippled man, looks at them, and he expects to receive something from them. But something's about to happen that will happen in your life, too. The people around you who are asking for help, they are always looking for something horizontally to help by sharing their problems. But what they need, what they need only comes vertically. You see, when people share their problems, they're looking for help from around them. But our prayers bring help from above them. They're looking for help from around them, below, silver and gold. But that's not really what they need. That's not really going to help. What they need is help from above. And Peter is not afraid in this situation. He just openly says, I don't have what you're asking. I don't have silver and gold. And I think that one of the reasons we're sometimes too timid to reach out and ask our neighbors or coworkers if we can pray for them is we're afraid that we might not be able to give what they need, that they might ask for more than we can give. But I want you to notice Peter is not afraid of that. Peter just says, I don't have it. I don't have silver and gold. Why does he say that? He says that because he knows that in God he has more than anyone could ever ask. And here's the thing. You do too. You have that too. If I have direct access to God, I actually have more to offer than anyone could ever ask of me. And that means I can boldly ask someone, can you pray for me? Because I know I get to be the advocate between God's power and man's pain and man's need, not my power. It's not about my power. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, I want to take these thoughts and get really specific and practical and talk about how we can pray for other people, some things that guide us as we think about this opportunity to be the advocates between God's power and man's pain. The first one I want you to write down is, I need to pray for others biblically. Biblically. Now, this is a, a true story. Names are withheld to protect the innocent. I'm not going to tell you any more than this. But this guy was a new Christian, and he started going to a small group. And he was growing spiritually, but his group leader noticed he would never pray when the group prayed. He would just not 
joining in. And after a while, the group leader said, man, I'd love to hear you pray. God wants to hear you pray. As a Christian, we're told God hears your prayers, and I just want to encourage you. And the guy said, well, I'm kind of afraid, but I have a question. Uh, He says, why is it when we pray in our group, it's always cheesy? And the group leader said, "What, what do you mean? He said, well, the prayers are always like, like cheesy. And the group leader said, that, that's kind of mean. I mean, you know, judging of his prayers. And he said, no, no, the, the people pray awesome. But I don't understand why every time we end a prayer, everyone goes in cheesiness, we pray. <laughs> the leader says, no, no, it, it, it's not in cheesiness we pray. They're saying in Jesus' name we pray, I'm sorry you didn't understand that. <laughs> now, now why, why do we say that? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? And there's a reasons why, reason why Christians pray like that. The New Testament gives us a structure that almost every prayer in the New Testament follows. And it, this structure has to do with the three persons of the Godhead. And we believe as Christians that God is one, but he exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And you will notice if you read carefully the prayers in the New Testament are almost always addressed to the Father. That is the pattern that we are instructed you know, to be guidelines for our prayer. Now, side note, this is not some rigid legalistic formula. That means that there are times where you could express a prayer to Jesus uh, to the Holy Spirit, but I, I think the Bible's teaching us that our primary mode of thinking about that is that we are going to the Father because almost every single prayer in the New Testament addresses the Father. That's the clear teaching. So write this down and let's think about it. Three parts to this pattern. We are to pray directly to the Father, but we do that by praying through the Son, and we do that by praying with help from the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you could think about it like this. We pray by the help of the Holy Spirit to the Father through the Son. And almost every prayer in the New Testament follows this structure. And here's why I think that structure really is for us. That structure causes us to focus and remember the power of God that we have access to the Father, but it's not in ourselves. That access comes through the work of the Son, Jesus' death on the cross. And that as we are accessing the Father through the Son, we always have all around us and within us the help of the Holy Spirit because sometimes we don't know what to pray. So we pray to the Father. We pray through the Son. We pray by the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me unpack that a minute. We pray to the Father. Philippians 4, 6 is one example. It says, present your request to God. And that is a reference to the Father. And this tells us I don't need to go to somebody else to pray for me. I can go myself. I don't need to go to a priest or a pastor to pray on my behalf. As a Christ follower, I myself have direct access to the Father. I don't need someone else to pray for me as if I couldn't pray. God hears my prayers directly because his son Jesus has torn that veil. Next, I pray to the Father through the Son. In John 16, verses 23 and 24, Jesus tells the disciples this, and one of those disciples was Peter. And you have to wonder if Peter was remembering in Acts 3, hey, I don't need to be in the temple because of what Jesus had said. Here's what Jesus said. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. 
I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Now, let's just be clear. The torn veil in the temple does not give everyone direct access to the Father. It's really only talking about those who are in Jesus, those who've trusted Jesus. They're the ones who receive this access. And so when you pray and and when you say, I'm asking this in Jesus' name, you're not just repeating words like a magic formula. You You are confessing that I am coming, Father, not because I deserve access to you, but because Jesus gained that access for me. He tore the veil. He made it possible for me to pray to you. You see, Jesus is why prayer works. Now, along with this, we've kind of alluded to this. A lot of times we find ourselves thinking about prayer and thinking, I'm not really sure what I should say. I don't really think I know how to pray. I don't know where to start, especially if I'm praying for someone else. I feel like I might sound stupid or I might sound weird, and so we're kind of afraid. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit helps us. Look what it says in Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Now, we've looked at this in our series before, and we don't always know what God would want us to pray for someone, but the Holy Spirit, he always knows. And so the Holy Spirit interprets and he prays for us. He improves our prayers. He makes them better. And we don't have to be eloquent. In fact, sometimes if you notice this, you just find yourself and you're almost feeling something and you can't even think of the words you're supposed to say. And about all you can do in those passionate moments, especially those painful, passionate moments, is about all you can do sometimes is just groan, right? Have you ever felt that? Well, Paul says here, even when that's all we can do, the Holy Spirit knows how to interpret our groans, and he intercedes on our behalf. He prays for us. And so this is altogether why we have direct access to the Father. It's why Protestants do not pray to saints. First of all, according to Scriptures, we believe there really are no saints in history who have ever merited favor with God. And if somebody could somehow merit some favor with God, they certainly couldn't merit enough to pass a little extra on to other people like us. We don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. See, the only person in history who's ever kept the law perfectly, who's ever lived a completely sinless life, who has ever merited anything in the sight of God, that person, one person, is Jesus Christ. And here's what's really amazing about that. Jesus Jesus credited his perfect merit, his perfect righteousness to you, to us. Say, to me. He gave it to us. And the Bible says you're now a saint. All Christians are saints according to the scripture. The Bible says you're now a priest. All Christ followers are Our priests that can advocate on behalf of others because God has said that we can pray for other people. And so we come to God out of who God is. And according to his nature, our prayers are structured in that way. We offer our prayers out of that understanding. Let me give you one more thing in this. To pray biblically is also important and helpful to learn to pray scripture. 
This is especially important when you're not sure the words to use, to the things to say. How do I pray? Well, pray Scripture. Many of the New Testament letters are just great prayer letters. You'll see all kinds of prayers in those letters. You'll see things that Paul is talking about praying for. You know, uh, if you don't know any other verses, I'll give you just one that you can pray because we sing it all the time. Romans 8, 28 says, God, you make all things together for, work together for our good. And a lot of times when I pray for people, that's a prayer I want to pray, a prayer, a prayer I pray because sometimes I don't know what to pray, but I can always pray, God, will you work things out for their good? I know you're doing that. I'm praying and asking you to do this. I don't know how, but will you do that? You can also go to the Psalms. You can pray the Psalms. You can let them be an expression of the heart of God, you know, that reflects what he wants you to say to him. You can pray the scripture as you read it. When we pray for others, we need to pray biblically. But we also need to pray for others specifically. You know, sometimes we just, we pray in generalities. And one of the problems with that is we, we pray and God could answer our prayer, and we wouldn't know that he answered the prayer because we didn't really say anything in specific. It's just kind of this general thing. In Romans 1.9, Paul talks about this. He says, God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. And if you read Paul's letters, you'll see he knows the needs of the people, and he's praying for specific things. You remember, Paul prayed specifically for Timothy's stomach problems. That's one example In another letter, he prays for two women in this one church, and they need to be reconciled. They're having a conflict of some kind. And so Paul is always praying these very specific things. He's asking for very specific answers. How do we do that? Well, one of the things I would suggest to you, and this is kind of a way to put feet to these principles we're talking about, is that you begin to build what we would call a prayer list. Now, this could be done in a multitude of different ways. You could do it the way it works for you. Your prayer list could be on your phone if that works for you. You might want to put it in a notebook of some kind. Some people like to pray with prayer uh, cards, so like note cards that can stack up, and you just kind of pray, you know, and you can shuffle them around. You can put them in different places, but it's just a card that has a request that you can pray about. It, It doesn't really matter how you do this, but prayer lists are important because they help us remember the things and the people that we want to pray for. Have you ever had this happen? Someone says, can you pray for me? And you say, sure, I will. And then two weeks later, you, say that, two weeks later, you see them, and you realize, I didn't pray for them. And right then, you go, as you're approaching, they go, Lord, please help them with this thing in their life. And then you say, hey, I've been praying for you. How's it going? <laughs> I've never done that, but Pastor Jay does. <laughs> he's told me, he's told me that he does. So, but here's what, here's the thing, a, prayer list helps you to remember because we forget sometimes. It just helps you to remember to do the things you want to do anyway. It helps you to prioritize praying for people. It it just can ensure that we actually pray. You say, well, how do I build a prayer list? Well, let me give you some suggestions here. And this is like, I'm going to kind of walk you through a way that you can think about praying for others, like who do I pray for and what do I pray about? And again, it's really up to you. Everybody's list is going to look different, but let me give you a couple suggestions. Uh, You can start by thinking about what we'll call prayer spheres. And this is just recognition that every one of us lives in certain spheres of relationships. 
Maybe you can think about this as we have concentric circles geographically of relationships. We start, the first sphere is the home. So we pray for people in our home and in our family. Maybe the next one out would be the church. So we're praying for people in our church. We're praying for things going on in our church. Third out maybe would be the city. That's a sphere of issues in our community where you live. Fourth would be the nation. Obviously, the biggest one would be the entire world. And and so these are all areas where you can think of things to pray for. What you pray for is really up to you, but you're really thinking about praying in terms of your relationships. So you would write down the people you want to pray for and the needs you want to pray for with those people in each sphere. And you kind of start there. And then another thing to sort of overlay and to interweave with prayer spheres of what we'll call prayer seasons. And this just reflects the reality that people are experiencing different seasons in their lives at different times. And so this can help you think about praying for people. Sometimes you know people who are going through a a season of suffering or stress. Uh, The Bible speaks about people who are persecuted for their faith. Hebrews 13.3 calls us to remember prisoners, those who are mistreated. So this was speaking primarily of persecuted believers at this time. We should pray for people in situations like this. Sometimes it's just suffering with life circumstances. James 5.13 says, if you were suffering, if anyone's suffering, let him pray. And and then there's another season that sometimes people are in in our lives, and I'm going to call this an adversarial season. These are people who are against you in some way. These are actually the people, I'm just going to tell you, let's be honest, you don't want to pray for them right? But Jesus actually says in Matthew 5, 44 and 45 that we are to pray for our enemies. And you can tell in the Greek text, it's pretty obvious in the English text as well, that that is actually a command. So if you are not praying for those who are your enemies, what are you doing? Sinning. Yeah, you're disobeying God's command to you. And so there are going to be some people in our lives and we're in conflict with them. It may be somebody we just don't like, too much, so don't look at them right now. Don't clue them in. It may be someone who hates you or you hate them. I mean, it could be mild or, or stronger, whatever it is, but, but think about some people you need to pray for. God wants you to pray for people in that season. Sometimes it's a season of sickness, illness. We think about this one quite commonly. James 5, 14 and 15 talks about this. Sometimes people are in a season of leadership in relationship to you in your life. So 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 talks about praying for leaders. And we think about government, but it's broader than that. It could be not only national and local government leaders that we would pray for, but also leaders in our church. You pray for pastors, you pray for elders, you pray for your small group leaders, anybody who's in a season of leadership. See, this is just a way that we can think about praying for other people in terms of where they are in their lives. You could also throw in here uh, gospel prayers. And this is where we would pray for God's gospel to go out with power. Paul in Ephesians 6, 19 says, pray that words are given to me that I would boldly proclaim the gospel that when I preach, God would work. Colossians 4, 3, Paul says, pray for us that God may open a door to the word. So pray for success in sharing the gospel. These are a couple of verses that you should specifically, specifically pray for your pastors here as they are serving this church and serving you. 
There's another season we might call a season of sinning. So do you know any followers of Jesus, people who claim to be Jesus' followers, but they are living far away from him. They're living in deep rebellion. This is maybe called, you could call this a prodigal prayer. You're, you're asking God to rescue them, to bring them home. 2 Timothy 2, 25 says, we pray that God would grant repentance. And I'll throw in one more season, and maybe you could think of a whole lot of others besides this, but this would be a, the season of salvation. So this is directly praying for the lost people that you know, the people that don't know Jesus, and you want them to come to know Jesus. So these are, these are all ways to think about how we pray for other people and pray specifically. And then there's a third area that I want to highlight here, and we talked about this some last week. It's called prayer walking. We encourage you to begin doing this, putting feet to your prayers. We've provided uh, a nice brochure that could help you understand how to do it, give you some practical tips. And this is just uh, getting out and walking your neighborhood, praying for people where you live, applying the prayer spheres and prayer seasons as you walk and as you see what's going on around you. Some of you have heard some of this and you're still kind of wondering what this prayer walking thing is. You're, you're kind of wondering, well, how do you really do that? I mean, how do you really make that happen. Well, I want you for a minute or so to listen and watch and see if God gives you some clarity on this. Well, Papa, they asked us this last Sunday to pray for our neighborhood. And so, God, I I just want to lift up Mike and Linda to you. I just heard that Mike had a stroke. And God, I just pray that you would heal his body and be with Linda as she encourages him as he's had to stop working. And God, I also just heard that Martin lost his job. Man, God, I don't know how he's going to make it, but God, would you just provide for him and his home so that they can stay in this neighborhood and that we can encourage them? God, I just heard that Juan and Linda, their daughter just took, tried to commit suicide. Man, God, I am so worried for them. But God, I just pray that they would turn to you, that you would put people in their lives to encourage them in this hard season. God, when I pass by this house, I think of George and Stacy. Man, every time I pass by, they're yelling at each other, and I'm worried for their marriage, and I don't know what to do, but God, I know you do. So God, would you heal their marriage? And God, every time I wake up to go to church every Sunday, my neighborhood's quiet. Nobody's driving out in the mornings to go to church. And so God, I want to lift up Eric and Tammy to you. Lord, I know they need Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that they would find you and that one day they'll be driving to church with me. All right, God, I'm giving this all to you now. Amen. And everybody says. So if you haven't engaged in this yet, I want to encourage you, if you haven't gone out to the maps on our courtyard and put a red pin on the street where you live, you can go ahead and do that before you leave. Maybe you Maybe you did some prayer walking this week. You can go out before you leave and put some prayer, a blue prayer pins, some blue pins on the streets where you've prayed. If there's already one there, put another one there. Uh, we want you to be able to mark the places that you've done this. And if you haven't entered into this yet, maybe you haven't picked up one of these, you can do that. And next week you can come back and you can add because we want to cover these maps with blue pins because we want to cover our communities, Tracy and Mountain House and Lathrop with prayer, with God's people praying for other people.
So the third thing that I want to point out to you, when someone asks me to, to pray for them, I also, I also try to pray for others immediately. Because, you know, when do you want your problems gone? Now, not later. You know, when do you want to get some more hope in your life? Well, now, right? Not, not later, not next week. So it's a good idea if you find out there's a need in someone's life, especially if they ask you to pray for them, but just to go ahead and pray immediately. Stop right there. You know, don't say, don't say, okay, I'll pray for you later if you can pray now because all too often we just end up forgetting. And this can mean things like this in your life. I've prayed while walking with people. I've, I've prayed on the phone with people. I've prayed in restaurants. I, I've prayed sometimes on airplanes. I, I've prayed while driving. And by the way, in case you're confused about this, this is where you pray with your eyes open. Uh, that is spiritually legal uh, to do that. But you just try to pray immediately. You don't wait. And it's like God has given us this incredible gift of praying for other people to be an advocate for his power to bring that into people's lives. And that just means to not use that can sometimes even be sin. In fact, Samuel says this, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. I don't think you need to get all weighed down with a bunch of legalistic guilt. It may not be that every time this applies, but sometimes you know it does. Sometimes you know God convicts you in your heart, and you know I should have been praying for her. I should have been praying for him. God, forgive me. We need to pray immediately that we would bring our prayers before the Father, and he would bring his power into other people's lives. You know, the other reason I think it's important to pray as much as we possibly can. As I've just found, when I start or stop praying about my problems, I often start sinning. Have you noticed that? I often start trying to control things and manipulate things in a way that causes more problems. Praying is so important. I, I heard a pastor tell a story recently. He said, my wife and I were having a conversation the other day, and she kind of said out of the blue, hey, do you remember that time last year when you you wanted to buy that really expensive thing. And he said, oh, yeah, that was a stupid idea. She said, I know. And um, she, said, she said, you know, I, I prayed that out of you. <laughs> he said, you did what? She said, yeah, I prayed that out of you. He said, what are you talking about? She says, oh, I, I, pray, I pray lots of things out of you. I pray things out of you all the time. He said, you pray stuff out of me lots of times? She said, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to start praying. You can't keep your hands off me. <laughs> anyway, they had this conversation, and she went on to say that she had found in their life sometimes when she thought he was headed in directions that she didn't think it was wise, it felt like the only opportunity at certain points was to nag or to try to manipulate. And so sometimes she would speak, but she said, there were other times I felt like God just was leading me to pray. And she said, that thing last year, I prayed for you three days and you changed your mind. So now I just often start praying things into your heart. There's an old saying that says, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. When we pray, God gets involved. I'll just let you know something in case you want to talk to me to pray. Some of you won't, may not want to ask me to pray about certain things because I don't always pray for what you ask me to pray for. Sometimes, sometimes I discern a situation and sometimes I can tell 
then maybe what that person is asking for is not really what God wants. Because a lot of times our prayers are just about increasing our comfort and removing our discomfort in our lives. And sometimes God wants us to go through something uncomfortable, something even somewhat painful, because we're only going to learn some things we need to learn while we're in that pain. I think about that because Peter didn't pray what he was asked. He says to this man, I don't have silver or gold. And the reason he says this is Peter knows this man's greatest need is not to walk. His greatest need is to believe in Jesus. And that's actually the fourth area of prayer. We pray for others to believe. And I want to tell you, this should be the thing you're praying about the most. You say, why do you say that? Because what else is more important in everyone's life than that their destiny with the Lord is made right? You know, we're praying sometimes. We focus on praying for people to get over the sniffles. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for those things. But that's all we pray about when we should be praying about salvation. People are lost and dying. They're going to hell, separated from God for eternity. And we should be praying that people come to know Jesus. Are you praying like that? Paul prayed like that passionately. Romans 10.1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Keep reading in Romans 10, and you will see that Paul says... I would die and go to hell if my people, Israel, could be saved. Do you pray with that kind of passion that the people you know who don't know Jesus will come to know Jesus? You say, well, what do I pray for those people? Well, here's one example. This one verse, Acts 26, 18, says, open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. You can pray that. And turn them from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Are you praying for people in your life who don't know Jesus? Are you going to start? See, here's what I kind of know happens. Some of you are going to leave here in a couple of minutes and you're going to think, that's nice, and you're not going to pray for someone you know who doesn't know Jesus. And that would be a tragedy. That would be a tragedy. See, God gives us this incredible, awesome, unbelievable privilege to be an advocate between his power and pain in people's lives. Are you going to participate in this blessing? That's the question. Are you going to pray for other people? Now, if you're saying yes right now, I have good news for you. You're going to get a chance to do it right now, right here. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to write anything on a prayer list. You can pray right now. Here's what we're going to do, and I'll just let some of you know you're about to feel very uncomfortable and awkward, but that's okay. God's here. He'll take care of you. Here's what we're going to do. Some of you have come into this place and you have some needs in your life. Like I said earlier, life has T-boned you. There's a wall in front of you. Maybe you can't get over it. You don't know what to do. And you would say today, I need somebody to pray for me. If that is you, what I would like to ask you to do, you don't have to, but I'm going to ask you to, and it'll take some courage. I'm going to ask you if you would just stand up. Would you just do that? Stand up right now. If you would like someone to pray for you in this room, just stand up where you are. Go ahead. I see people standing. Feel free. Go ahead and stand up. Just by saying this, you're saying, I would like someone to pray for me. That's all you're saying. 
Okay, anyone else want to stand up? Anyone else? Some of us need to think about it for a while. That's okay. You can keep standing up. You're just saying, I would like someone to pray for me. That's all. I have a need in my life. They don't need to know what the need is. They can pray for you. God knows how to meet their need and their prayer and your need. Okay. We have a number of people who have said, I want someone to pray for me. And if you want to keep standing or stand up still, you can do this while I'm talking. But those of you who are seated right now, you have a job. If you know Jesus, here's your job. Your job right now in these next moments is to pray for those people. Okay? And to make this a little easier on all of us, I'm going to ask all of us to stand And you can either pray for someone or be prayed for, or you can do both. It's okay. If you saw someone and you want to go over to them and be close to them while you pray, you can do that. You can pray out loud if you'd like to. Maybe keep it quiet so it's not distracting a bunch of people around you. But we're going to take a few moments right now, and we are going to pray for other people. We're going to do what God calls us to do. So right now, David's going to begin to play quietly. I'm going to encourage you, if you've seen people and you want to pray for them, you know who they are, or maybe you don't, but you saw them, pray for them right now. Would you do that? Bow your heads, close your eyes, intercede on behalf of those who need prayer right now.